fear and greed. More fear than greed, but be absolutely clear that the greed is what got us here. We'll talk about it. Coronavirus, COVID-19, call it whatever name you want to call it. We now have over 10,000 deaths, 250,000 confirmed cases, and we're barely getting up to par with testing here in the U.S. The global margin call continues. Last week, I talked socialism coming to America. We have some senators that are bordering on treason, and we're going to talk about them. Biggest weekly gain since 2008, and you guessed it, the dollar, something we've been talking about for over a year now. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, the quarantined, the corona COVID-free, the insightful, the witty, the intelligent, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 62 of Bizarro World. Nick, first and foremost, how are you and your family doing? Well, you said COVID-free. I hope that's the case. I think I'm probably still within the incubation period, but no one here is showing any uh, signs or symptoms. Everyone is healthy and in good spirits. And um, I think like everyone else, just taking it day by day, watching the numbers, uh, seeing all the various uh, studies and reports on infection rates and death rates, uh, et cetera, uh, learning about various vaccines and treatments that are in play and sort of uh, contemplating all the different scenarios in our mind and uh, continually running through our uh, mental and physical checklists of uh, things we can do to uh, give us more peace of mind as it's uh, certainly uncertain right now. I think that's about you. Um, I am well. I think that um, your point is well taken. I know, you know, just on a personal level, all of my favorite things outside of my wife and kids, um, it, which obviously I'm thankful for. We're healthy. We're great. Um, but all of my favorite things that are kind of outlets for myself, right? Uh, the movies, the gym, um, things of that nature are completely shut down here in Texas, right? We, we, we finally got a, a declaration of emergency from the governor, which, which kind of um, followed um, the mayor's advice in Austin and here in Round Rock. But, you know, everybody's um, rightfully staying away and being responsible. And I, 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 back to your point, I think it's incredibly important that people are healthy, um, mentally as well as physically it's it's going to be critical i think because i don't believe that this is something that is just about 14 days i think they're going to slow walk us towards two months maybe two and a half months initially i had hoped that we were better prepared in the way of testing so that we could identify and quarantine the segment of the population that was sick and vulnerable um, that obviously was not the case. We've learned now that the NBA, the National Basketball Association, um, was reacting to this in mid-January while I have a president going on national TV saying that until last month, he had never heard about this. We know that's unequivocally false. Um, this is not a partisan point that I'm trying to make. It is a fact. And so the response has been absolutely botched. Um, it absolutely made my blood boil to see tens of thousands, not thousands, tens of thousands of, of, of young people on South Padre Island here in Texas for spring break at the beach and in Florida, where of course now in Florida cases are starting, um, to just surge, right? Not surprisingly. And so, you know, I say all that to say that there's been a lack of coordination from the top on down here in the U.S. that I hope, I hope when this is all said and done, um, is held to account. And I'm not talking just about elections. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about um, a, a complete paradigm shift in the way that we coordinate. Um, I mentioned at the top that, you know, we, we, we had 10,000 cases now, deaths worldwide and 246,000 cases this speaks to the velocity of everything right now. Um, global cases now, 20 minutes later, are more than 265,000. And according to CNBC, global deaths are now 11,147. Here in the U.S., we have at least 16,000 cases with 210 deaths. And for those of you on Twitter 
uh, that, that, that keep tweeting. And I know Twitter is in the real world and it's probably a bot. But for the bots or the idiots on Twitter that keep tweeting, um, this isn't as serious as a flu. Everybody's overreacting. My question is a simple one. What's the number for you people that would make you take this seriously? Um, because the few times that I've had to go to this store and I'm seeing, you know, senior citizens and, and, and the most vulnerable part of our population that don't have friends or family to be able to go to the store for them. Um, when I see them out there, I can't help but think that we are doing such a disservice um, for that segment of our population that we really as a community should be looking out for. And I know it's not just the 70 and over crowd. Um, that is being affected severely in some cases. And we'll talk about the case from PDEC um, that, that emerged this week. But I, it's not just that segment of our population, but they are the most vulnerable. Those are just the facts thus far. The largest sample size is is Italy and, and, and China. And that's what the numbers tell us. So for everyone out there that's not taking this seriously, if all you have to do is stay home, um, we're not asking you to storm the beach. We're not asking you to to go on a hunger strike. All we're asking is show some discretion and some responsibility to your neighbor. Even if you feel great, please, by all means, find a way to responsibly socially di distance socially so that we give the most vulnerable parts of our population a fighting chance. Any thoughts on that, all good Dick? All, all good points, Gerardo. Um <clears throat> I mean, yeah, I had to take out my notebook because you you were saying so much. I had to write down how I wanted to respond and I didn't get everything written down. But uh, my blood, too, was boiling this morning, especially because uh, and you and I have talked about it here and I've written about it. We definitely knew about this since January. And I think we also knew it was going to be longer than uh, a two week quarantine. And so. Um, gosh, a, a couple of points. I think everyone is fine. Most people are fine with a two-week quarantine if um, we know why we're quarantining for two weeks and we know uh, what the end game is at the end of those two weeks. Now you've got Doc, Dr. Fauci on TV talking about um, a month or more, right? And so um, people are going to start to increasingly lose it. You've, you, I've already seen um, shootings in rural areas, uh, police talking about increased reports of domestic violence as people are, are, are home, um, people not getting uh, the food they need, uh, senior citizens, um, and um, people below the poverty uh, line, especially with kids. And so um, the infrastructure isn't in place to, to give those people the support they need in the in the time frame that all this has happened, which is very quickly, um, especially when there's there's no tests being given. Right. We don't know what this quarantine is for. And we don't know if we're having an impact because we're not getting any tests done uh, to know if we're limiting the spread. So um, it has to be increased testing for sure. And we need to know where the the clusters are. Right. I've been reading a lot about clusters and we need to get them quarantined and locked down and we need to know where it's not spreading as fast. And the only way to do that is with tests. And you're starting to see now um, private corporations, as we've been saying, was going to happen, step up and 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 are putting out thousands of, of tests. Um, hopefully we get tens of thousands and, and more uh, because the per capita rate of testing in the U.S. continues to be abysmal and uh, well below that of uh, that being done by other developed nations. Um, you talked about the people or the bots on Twitter that are downplaying this. And, and I've read a lot of those takes as well, talking about um, the infection and death rate. Um, well, not the infection rate, because a lot of people got it, but the death rate on the, the Princess cruise ship, which was mm. an isolated case and where uh, the population skewed elder uh, 60, because we know older people take cruises. And so it was an older population, and yet the death rate was below what they're seeing or saw in China. And you're saying, I'm seeing a lot of people writing that the response has been um, over dramatic and has been is going to have too severe of implications on the economy relative to the risk um, 
of the virus. Um, you know, I don't know the answer to that. I'm just, you know, I, I wrote about it yesterday. I, like Mr. Dine says, don't think, look, I mean, you got to just take it day by day. You're not the one making the decisions. You have to respond to, to what's happening because you're not in control. Right. Um, so all those things. Um, but certainly the response is, 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 was botched and the paradigm shift you talk about, um, I could just see it being ushered in day by day. And that's mm. what's really uh, making me hopeful about the virus, because the virus is going to usher in a lot of things. Yes, it's going to usher in a recession. Yes, it's going to usher in significantly higher unemployment. Yes, it's going to usher in significantly lower valuations. Um, but you're also going to see it shine a light on a lot of things that are just going to become uh, crystal clear that were hypocritical before. We've talked about examples. I'm not going to recite them again. But new ones I'm seeing are like, um, and this is a small one, but like alcohol delivery in the Bible Belt is suddenly okay when, mm. you know, two two weeks ago it's like morally bad. You can't, for some reason, you can't deliver alcohol. And that's just a small one all the way up to, I'm going to go right to the senators now, the freaking senators that got caught dumping stock in, in, in when they knew about this in private reports in January um, are telling uh, a story publicly that the threat is not severe but privately, behind closed doors, selling, banking, uh, in some cases, millions, millions of dollars in gains, mm -hmm. yes, while planting, while pivoting and positioning for um, the stay-at-home lockdown situation they knew was about to unfold by buying certain stocks like uh, telecommuting stocks that have gone up, et cetera. And so they clearly knew. I don't care if it was illegal or, or not. It's It's unethical. It's immoral. It's you said borders on treasonous. Certainly now with the, the, the blood is on their hands. I mean, the, the country wasn't prepared and they were worried about profiteering. And so, you know, with all the circuses shut down, right, with no NBA and no NHL and no no spring baseball and no uh, ESPN to divert everybody's attention and everyone glued to the news. This uh, has spread like wildfire very quickly. It was like the number three trend, trend within 15 minutes of me seeing it on Twitter yesterday. Um, and there's numerous examples of things that are that the virus are going to highlight like that. And so this is that fourth turning, folks. You know, I'm not going to I don't want to beat that dead horse too much. But um, uh, the uh, virus is definitely speeding it along. Absolutely. There was a lot there. Let's uh, let, 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 let's talk numbers for a bit. The, the Dow dropped more than 17 percent this week after being up you know, 400 points here on Friday. It ended up closing nearly 1,000 points. Um, this is, again, the biggest one-week fall since October of 2008. Um, the dollar, again, surged. It's flirting with 103, the dollar index, the biggest surge since 2008. Um, the S&P, down 13% for the week. Um, the NASDAQ fell 12.6%. I mean, I could go on and on. Um, let's talk response a little more. California, uh, Governor Newsom there, he has ordered not a mandatory, but a very strongly worded um, statewide lockdown for non-essential um, employees. Similar actions being taken by the governor um, in New York. Um, the city of New Jersey or the state of New Jersey is also doing um, a, a similar rollout. So we're starting to see, um, regions take this a lot more seriously, um, than other regions, which begs the question to me, why don't we do what Bill Ackman, the hedge fund manager that went on CNBC earlier this week said, which made perfect sense to me. Why don't we just shut it down for 30 days everywhere? And then it's a 30 day problem. What do you mean? Right? Shut everything What do you down. mean shut it? Home quarantines for non-essential personnel. If you're not a first responder, a nurse, a doctor, um, we everybody stay home for 30 days. Why are we doing this city by city, state by state, where one county, for example, can be out and about um, shopping at you know TJ Maxx while another county can't go out at all, prolonging eventually um, you know, the, 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 the stamping out of this virus? Why not just shut it all down? Um, I'm not a disaster planner, but 
Um, if it's going to be a, a nationwide effort, then it should be a nationwide effort. I have to agree. I, I thought you were going to ask about uh, shutting down the markets and him crying about other things, which I didn't necessarily uh, agree with. But a 30-day shutdown, if it's going to be in sync, uh, makes a little bit of a, a sense to me. Again, I'm not an epidemiologist. I don't know. Like I say, I'm taking it personally uh, day by day. But you have to assume... Um, this thing's just going to spread as people continue to move around. Like you said, I was reading reports this morning at a, uh, where was it out of Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina, like malls packed people out and about. And so um, if you're going to try to stomp it out, you, you got to draw a line in the sand. I think as Americans, and this is something else we've talked about, uh, we don't like to be told what to do. Um, the reason China was able to stomp it out, as we've talked about, was through an authoritarian response. And I'm not sure um, how much people would cooperate in the United States? I certainly would be willing to, but um, you'd have to you'd have to put it out there and see. And I don't think that when this virus hit, clearly we weren't prepared for it. We didn't have uh, enough uh, surgical masks, and we sure, certainly didn't have the political cohesion uh, to tackle it. And we still don't. Let's be clear about that. We still don't have. Um, the political cohesion or a uh, mask or supplies or test um, here in Texas uh, there, you know, our governor's bragging about being able to test, you know, over a thousand people by the end of the week. I mean, that's great for those thousand people, it's millions of people in Texas, tens of millions of people. So that's how behind the curve we are right now. And, and, and it's just, it's frustrating as all hell. You mentioned the senators that were selling um, into a one rally, um, two, after a classified meeting, um, I know there's been a complaint filed by the DOJ. I hope it leads somewhere. Um, and, and, and we'll see what that is. Uh, their non-essential travel from Canada and Mexico is also now shut down. Um, it's interesting to me that we're uh, thinking twice about how and what, um, non-essential workers, what that means, right? All of a sudden, you know, the farmers, the truck drivers, um, grocery store workers, clerks, they seem pretty damn essential right now. Yeah, and I think you're going to get an overhaul in the restaurant industry where they look at that um, and things are changed. We talked about it with Darden Restaurants, but where you get more of a shift toward um, hourly based compensation and, and more safety nets because um, clearly that industry um, is going to take a whack. I was reading statistics from Open Table, the reservation website this week, saying that year over year, some days this week, the reservations were down um, in some cases over 90% at some restaurants. And so um, I really think you're going to see shifts brought about uh, by this by this virus for sure. Let's talk about the coordinated response that we expected. Um, the Fed said it would enhance the permanent U.S. dollar liquidity swap line with basically everyone but China, right? It's doing it with the Bank of Canada, the Bank of England, Bank of Japan, the ECB, who I thought was slow to react and got its ass handed to it so badly that it had to conduct an emergency meeting in the, in the middle of the week, pledging to buy, I believe, $750 billion of bonds because of a failed auction in Germany where there simply was zero bid. I, I, I've been saying that there's going to be um, wipeouts in the banking sector there. Um, I think that bond market's going to get wiped out, and I think this is the ECB's last salvo there. We can't ignore the dollar, Nick. You and I have been saying this for years that everybody that was, you know, wishing wishing that the dollar would die, it'll happen maybe in a few years' time. It's definitely headed in the direction of all currencies. But man, this is not that time. Um, and I, 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 it wouldn't surprise me to see a slight pullback with, um, you know, the trillion dollar repos that that we're doing on a daily basis now. Um, we'll get into some of the other policy actions that have been taken. But again, if you see a slight pullback, people, and you're trading the dollar, be very, very careful um, because I think the dollar is going to wipe a lot of companies and some countries out and, and, and their reset is coming before the U.S.'s is. 
Well, cash has been king. It's been the asset class that has um, not gone down. Cash is always par, right? And so whether you've been buying UUP or you've been taking cash out of the ATM every day or you've been sitting on cash all along, cash has uh, been the winner. And it's going to continue to be, as the uh, as I've heard on Bloomberg a hundred times in the past 72 hours, the, uh, you know, cleanest dirty shirt, as we've been saying for years. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's talk about the fact that the Fed now is buying everything. I mean, uh, municipal debt, they're buying mortgage treasuries. They're, you know, they're going to be dipping their toes in corporate bond markets. I think mortgage securities, I joked earlier, but I wasn't joking. I went away um, to, to get some notes together and it was $107 billion a day. And when I came back from getting my notes together, um, there was another breaking news segment on CNBC that said it was now $122 billion in mortgage securities. I will say this. Um, I was encouraged by the response in the 10-year. I've said that the bond market is broken. The treasury market, there were severe dislocations there that despite all the Fed's pounding of its chest was having zero effect on that 10-year. I mean, the 10-year, I think, got as high as 119. I believe it closed. Yeah, I think it closed right around, and I'm freestyling here, but I think it closed right around the 0.90 level 0.090 0. 0.90 level right under uh 1%. So that was encouraging. That move was pretty substantial. Gold also held up pretty well. I know a lot of people are wondering what gold is doing. I'm actually encouraged by the price action. I mean, gold closed at 1487 um with the dollar index at damn near 103. I think it's setting up for a rally higher. Any thoughts on the gold price, Nick? No, I'm encouraged as well. I was doing year-to-date analysis the other day, which is ugly, ugly for a lot of things. You know, mm. S&P down 30 35%. My portfolio. Um, this, yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Similar. Um, but the energy sector down 50 or 60%. And then you look at gold, uh, quote-unquote, only down 3% um, year-to-date. So it's uh, doing what it's what it's supposed to do. Um you know, everybody's making the 2008 analogy, which I've also made where it uh, was sold off with everything else as people needed to uh, raise cash and as uh, funds needed to delever. I haven't heard a lot talked about the gross and net exposure where people have to reduce their levered, levered exposure, right, and, and sell indiscriminately um, or just books being sold as people bail out. And so um, you saw the volatility of the gold price rise significantly. Um, and, and, and gold is going to do what gold is going to do. It went on to outperform for, uh, three years in, uh, after 2008. And I think we're, we're setting up for that again. Um, at at the price it's at now, a lot of things, uh, work once the, the volatility settles back down and, um, a lot of the big names have been sold off at the same time that oil is trading for $25 a barrel. So the input costs uh, are significantly uh, lowered. I finally heard an analyst on Bloomberg this week talking about uh, large miners being uh, a bargain in one of the sectors that could potentially rebound on the other side of this. And so um, I've been I've been uh, encouraged and and also a bit defensive, right, because I've seen a lot of people sort of wanting to maybe sneer or point to gold as not skyrocketing immediately as that it's not a safe haven anymore. And um, there's no room for that. It's just simply not true. You just got to look at the chart, right? Absolutely. So we now have officially QE till infinity. I think we're, 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 we're all in agreement there. I don't think that the Fed at this point or the ECB or the BOJ, I don't think any of them um, are hiding it at this point. What do you think that unemployment number is going to look like on Thursday? And something else that really upset me was the fact that, you know, the administration was asking states to not report um, the unemployment numbers as they came in, that they wanted it to be, you know, kind of at their discretion and they could they could tell everybody whenever they felt like it. I think that's bullshit. Um, but what do you think those unemployment numbers are going to be? I mean, I was looking at Canada and, um, uh, you know, Justin Trudeau announced that he's received that the government of Canada has received 500,000 applications for employment insurance. Um, and that compares to 27,000, um, for the same week last year. So if I do a little math and I look and I say, there's about 37 and a half million people in Canada. And then I look at the U S and there's about 331 million people here. That's about 4.4 million, four and a half million here, about 5 million people. 
Is that the number we're going to see next week? Like I said, um, restaurant reservations were down 90%. Um, uh, the lady that comes and cleans our house said pretty much every other house had had canceled on her. Um, I see desperation out there um, in local businesses. Um, you know, cheese shop in downtown Spokane had to have a fire sale and all their perishable stuff. Um, the restaurants are pleading for people to come get uh, takeout. Certainly they don't um, have any wait staff and, and aren't carrying any wait staff. I've read story after story after story on Twitter of people getting laid off via uh, text message, et cetera. So um, you are going to see, yeah, I mean, millions. I don't know if it's going to be 5 million, but it is going to be significant. And um, that's really what you got to be uh, looking at now is the economic fallout from this virus, right? What it's put in place. We're going to be firmly in uh, a bear market with a recession, and uh, it's time to to get defensive. So our bond market was broken before all this started. Our municipalities were going under. And let's be clear, all this was broken beforehand, everyone. This is, like Nick said, this COVID-19 just highlights, you know, the the underlying systemic um, imbalances that existed. This just accelerated what was coming, but we're talking the bond market, municipal debt, the fixed income market and corporate bond market. So all of it was a mirage. That's, that's what I have to, that's, that's, that's the only conclusion Nick, that I get when I look at where the money is going from the fed, right? Where the printing press is allocating its capital. It was all broken. And yet we were at record highs. Why? Oh, I mean, <laughs> gosh, it I'm seems going. so. It, I mean, it, it seems so simple now for for a lot of reasons. One, we've um, we didn't let anything fail the last time, right? And so we've gotten into this sort of quasi capitalist corporatist system where companies are perpetually bailed out and backstopped, even when they make bad business decisions. Um, and so, for the past um, years, the Fed has has backed up the has backstopped the market, right? It's been the the Fed put. And uh, a lot of that money has gone into share buyback. So one that's being highlighted now is these companies come crawling for uh, handouts. And we've, dude, I've been writing about buybacks for years. I mean, come on. This yes, has been have. like, it's like the simplest thing, man. That's why um, I sent you the question. Keep going. And they, it, you know, it reduces the share count. So the, the CEOs get bigger bonuses, but it doesn't really increase... Uh, profits overall, it just increased profits per share. And so if you look at the a chart of total profits of the S&P, we were already going down. Um, it was just a mirage EPS, uh, non-GAAP accounting practice mirage. Like you said, it's always been that. It's I mean, it's just always been that. And like you asked me months ago, did you just want to light the match? And it's like, yeah, well, guess what? Now the match is lit and you're seeing it. And um Gosh, I don't know. I was standing at the washing the dishes last night, telling my wife Warren Buffett quotes, and I said, um, you know, like he said, you only find out who's swimming naked when the tide goes out. And guess what? The water is rushing out. Absolutely. Let's talk the airlines, which is kind of where I was leading you to with that question. You know, there was a there, there was a graphic that I saw a few days ago. The same airlines that are now threatening, um, and then this is Delta and United as of the last hour threatening massive cuts and layoffs if they're not giving given billions of dollars in bailout money again these airlines give the bailouts to the people now exactly, you're going to get me pissed off that's what, exactly <laughs> what i wanted i'm going to give you the number and i know you already know it but I, you're going exactly where i was going 96 percent of free cash flow for i believe six of the major airlines for the past decade yeah, since, or so that's right was spent buying its their own shares back right in buybacks 96%. And, and, and just explain to people, for people that aren't familiar with the mechanics of this, Nick, what happens when a company like United uses all of its free cash flow to buy their shares back? Why would a CEO do that? 
Well, I sort of just explained it. When you buy back your own shares, you reduce. It all comes back to share structure, right, Gerardo? We always talk about share mm-hmm. structure. You re- you reduce the amount of outstanding shares, and so when you divide the profits you're making by fewer shares, you get a higher profit per share, an EPS number, earnings per share. And when your uh, CEO and other executives are compensated and are incented on getting bigger bonuses based on not uh, overall earnings, but earnings per share, then uh, their only incentive is to to increase the earnings per share. And one way to do that is through getting cheap money from the the federal poli- the federal reserve policies that been that have been in place for, for years to use that cheap money to buy back your shares, to reduce the share count, to increase the earnings per share, to get your bonus, not to reinvest in your company, not to give your employees uh, benefits, not to increase productivity, uh, not to build a better mousetrap, but simply to, um, like you said, basically create a mirage to, to increase um, your wallet, right? Um, greed. And then, um, and, and now I'm just going to talk about the airlines because these are the folks that have been nickel and diamond you for, for, for 20 years now, right? Incrementally I'm five, taking six, away. And I can't stretch out. Incrementally taking away your leg space, um, mm-hmm. div- parsing, uh, parsing up the, the ticket sales into a caste system where the lowest rungs of the ladder don't even get to pick their seat anymore. Uh, splitting up families because they can't afford that next tier up in the thing. Charging you exorbitant fees for everything from uh, using a pair of headphones to, to bring in a bag on the plane. Uh, we've known that uh, for years, and I've written about this too, uh, airlines don't make money from selling tickets, but from fees. Like the majority of their profits come from fees anyway. And so um, y- you have this industry that has just mistreated the public for years as customers, um, you know, charging fees to cancel, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Choose your gripe with the airlines. And then on the financial side has been engineering it so that their executives are getting bonuses. Um, now comes crawling to Congress and, and wanting a bailout for their company. No, Jack. Um, we did this with the banks in 2008, and I hope uh, people don't stand for it this time around. If we're given bailouts, it should go directly to um, A, the employees. Two, why can't they sell equity at, at lower prices like every other company has to do, right? Um, I've been reading a lot more about that. Back. Sell right. the shares right. they bought back. Exactly right. Or if the government is going to step in and start buying equities, which Mr. Trump said he was in favor of this week, uh, then guess what? Uh, I think U.S. citizens need to become shareholders of those companies. Absolutely. On a, that, on, on a pro rata basis. Absolutely. And that was my point. Why not give it to the people then? The same people that Delta and United is using as a threat, we'll, we'll, we'll cut them off. We'll fire them. We'll reduce our payroll by 60%. I say you let them do it. I say you let them do it. You let them go bankrupt. I say the, if, if the government's going to step in and, and, and spend the trillions of dollars that, that, that it's saying it's putting together in, in, in bailouts and tax breaks and, 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 and checks, uh, let's give it directly to the people that when this is all said and done can then go back out and, and, and spend money into the economy that we're going to have to revive because it's, going, it, it's at a standstill right now. But let's at, at the very least have the decency as a country to get people through the next couple of months because the next couple of months are going to be absolutely tough. I don't need United or Delta or whatever airline is threatening to go bankrupt um, to get Boeing. Are you serious? I think Boeing exec should be in jail. We've talked about this on the podcast no months ago. Now we're considering bailing them out, giving them billions of dollars. And then on top of that, you mean to tell me that this administration wants to come in right behind the bailout and take direct equity stakes in these companies and start buying assets in the open market? You, I mean, Come on, folks. This is not a case study into uncharted waters. We can see what happens when that happens. Look at the Bank of Japan. Look at Europe. They've already done this. What happens when we go to 0% rates, and some markets are already already negative here in the U.S., but what happens when we go to 0% rates here in the U.S., we're not able to revive the economy the way we thought we were going to. Unemployment continues to rise. 
but somehow inflation continues to get out of hand because of all the extra liquidity in all the wrong places, and the Fed is out of ammo. That's what I've happened. Silent. Person. Yeah. I've, heard, I've yeah. heard more than one person talk about depression this week, Gerardo. Correct. Correct. And hyperinflation, and it, which I which I had to mention as well this week in my letter. I mean, those are two words that you should not be taking lightly. Depression and hyperinflation. That's a lot of money sloshing around in the system. The New York Times business editor, Andrew Sorkin, was writing about 10, giving $10 trillion in no interest loans. That's half the GDP, Gerardo. Mm-hmm. That's how great resets happen, everyone. And and, and again, I, I I I spoke with a couple of gentlemen this week, and I don't like to name drop typically, but but these are people that have seen multiple cycles. Um, one was Jeff Phillips, a friend and mentor of ours, Nick, and then another one is is Mr. Rick Rule that I know you know you're friendly with and was generous with this time with me today, and and obviously someone that 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 Jeff is is very familiar with, and you know to a, to a larger extent um, mentored him a bit, and so both of them were of the same opinion. You know, this is how um, these things really bring in paradigm shifts. But the one thing they both said to me, and this was interesting and, and I don't disagree. And again, they've seen more cycles than I have. Um, they both said they believed that the fed and central banks had the ability to paper this up, right. To mop it up with counterfeit money, as Mr. Rule likes to say, um, that mm-hmm. they, they may be able to stall this for a couple of years. And, and again, if, if that is the case, either scenario, folks, either scenario, whether we get a great reset next month or next year or four years from now, either scenario is extremely beneficial to gold because you can't do with gold what every central bank in the world is doing, counterfeiting the money. Do you disagree with that, Nick? No, I don't think it's a, a secret how I think this is going to play out. I've got a video circulating out there right now suggesting that um, gold is going to be a very real part of the uh, solution to all this. Um, you know, there's not enough gold for a gold backed currency, of, of course, but, um, you know, there can be uh, a system set up where it's uh, fractional. Uh, etc. And and plus, it just uh, remains the the non dilutable, non printable uh, store of value. And so, you know, take whoever's number you want. Um, you know, Goldman Sachs eighteen hundred, Jim Rickards five thousand, um, whatever it is. Higher gold prices are coming, and um, you know that's why when we talk about being down, and and I heard you talking with. Uh, Joe Mazumdar about it this week. And, and I know Rick talks about it a lot as well. You know, being down uh, 50, 60 percent on, on these positions that we we know are quality speculations uh, on the gold space is um, OK. And as we often know, have turned out to go up significantly uh, in past cycles after being down that much. And so the the, the volatility is real. Um, and that's something, you know, I started talking to you about Hedgeye this week, and that's something that I've really learned a lot more about through listening to Keith McCullough is the volatility of things, right? Not just the price action and the volume action, but the specific volatility and not just the volatility of the market, but the volatility of the specific commodity, the volatility yes. of gold, the volatility of oil, right? Um, and all those have just been off the charts, but you're starting to see them uh, come down uh, a, a little bit now. And, and so, um, you know, there'll be another side to this. And as I said, um, gold will be there. There's uh there's some positive out of all this. You and I spoke and, 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 and earlier in the week, and then we talked about how, you know, I, I, we both feel, I think that at the end of this, there's going to be a greater sense of community because the bottom line folks is that we're going to have to look out for those that aren't as fortunate as we are, that, that, that aren't healthy, that aren't, you know, able to withstand months of, you know, a, 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 a depression like, or let's just, let's not even, you know, be hyperbolic or a, a recession, a severe recession that is absolutely priced in the cards now. Um, and, and then there are some people that deserve, um, all the things, uh, the stuff that I've seen from doctors, um, nurses, um, hospital personnel, uh, grocery store clerks that are stocking the shelves. I mentioned them earlier, um, has been nothing short of the best of us, right? It's been absolutely great. Um, 
you stepped up. I, I, I was obviously I follow you and comment often on your Twitter post. Uh, one because they're insightful and informative, and two because they're often hilarious as well. So if you're not familiar with Mr. Hodges' Twitter page, you should go check that out. Um, but but you talked about there was a story out of Washington where you know the bottom line is a lot of people weren't prepared for kids to stay home, and a lot of people have jobs, and a lot of people don't have daycare that they can afford. So what happens as far as food and care? for those kids that aren't no that that are no longer able to count on the school district to provide meals in the morning and for lunch. And I, I, I just, I would like to commend you, Nick, because I know you reached out and you can explain the story here a bit better than I can because you did it, but I know that you reached out um, and, and, and made a donation and are looking to continue to do so. And I think you provided something like 5,000 meals, but can you explain the program? Can you explain um, what, what that entailed and, and, and hopefully we can do more of that. Um, the community that, that, that is able to, right. Um, well, there's a whole lot going on. I mean, um, we're seeing like, like I said, what's going to happen. Millennials band together to create solutions. And so, um, I've seen like, uh, millennials using technology to create meal delivery services for senior citizens, uh, in, in New York City, I've told you about the the guy who was using in Italy the 3D printer to make the respirator parts. And so, yes, a greater sense of, of community uh, for sure. And, you know, what's funny is I see some hot takes that are saying as much and they don't know it's a fourth turning. And I just have to smile inside because they think they're <laughs> they think they're coming up with something new, seeing, <laughs> seeing, it, seeing it in real time. But um, you just have to look back to the to the World War Two, like Rosie the Riveter and what happened with all that and how businesses shifted to. Uh, making things to support the war effort, uh, et cetera. And, and it's going to be uh, reflected again. I mean, I don't know how else to say that. It's, it's That is what it is. And I've seen the same thing. A college roommate of mine is a doctor in New York City. His nurse is a wife. Uh, or his wife is a nurse, excuse me. And, uh, you know, they're, 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 they're putting in 18 hour days, right? They're on the front lines of it. And so uh, millennials there again. And so, um, fully, fully fourth turning crisis stuff, right? And now you're seeing Ray Dalio use the word crisis, um, etc. Uh, what you're talking about here in Spokane is exactly what you said. There was uh, no one prepared for these kids to be out of school. Low income kids typically get breakfast and lunch in school, and so um, earlier this week was the first day that they were out of school without breakfast and lunch, and the the school system provided. I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but I think they provided something like 16,000 meals and uh, the school system staff provided another couple thousand meals and it still wasn't enough. And that was on the very first day. And I was like, man, this is the first day. How the hell are we going to get through? You and I are just talking about recession and two month shutdown. This kids didn't have enough to eat on the first day. My, my wife starts crying. And so I get on the horn and I'm like, hey, how can I help? I get a hold of the guy who's the... Uh, nutrition director. And he says he thinks that they got it handled day to day for the kids, but they're really worried about them not having anything to eat on the weekends. Mm. And he tells, he tells me that, uh, uh, organization called second harvest provides the weekend meals. I get a hold of second harvest. Uh, they have a donation program that levers one to five. So you give $1, you buy five meals. I gave him a thousand dollars for 5,000 meals. We'll see how that plays out. I'll readdress next week, but you're going to have to do what you can. I mean, it's not, you know, help somebody you see in the grocery store. You know, my wife was saying there was this old lady in the grocery store kind of confused, not finding what she needed the other day. Just help her out. I mean, it's going to take stuff like that. This is literally, um, you know, it sounds like a broken record, but it's unprecedented. You just said that people that had have seen three, four cycles uh, are saying this is the craziest one ever. The Dow market just went down the fastest it's ever gone down. Um, and, and not everybody is in a position where they can just sit there and weather it, right? There's people that are already out of food, right? So um, things to do for sure. Commendable on your part, Nick. Um, keep that up. And and and, <laughs> and then there's the other side, right? Where one of the comments, and I know I should never read the comments. Like my brother's a journalist. And I saw it. He's and I was told me time and over again, and I was so close. But I didn't want to be disrespectful to your feed, so I left it alone. But what happens immediately after, you know, you, you asked a simple question, how can I help? And this fucker has the nerve, and, and let's just say he was a bot, because that allows me to not want to make it a real personal thing and just figure out who the hell this person is. But, you know, the, the question is, 
or, or the comment made was why don't their parents provide for them? And again, if you are that person on Twitter right now, people one unfollow two don't listen or subscribe to anything three, just fuck off. If you're not helping yeah. right now, if you're not helping, I mean, we could have a debate about policy and administrations and what party you like and what party you don't and why this and why that. When the conversation is just about one private individual trying to help other individuals and the only thing that you have to add or contribute to that conversation is why doesn't someone else do it? Just fuck off. That's all. Yeah, I mean, it's hungry kids. That's it. That's it. And so let me tell you. Let me tell you about. <laughs> Are I, I, you gonna I, tell I, me a nice I, story I, to make I, me smile? <laughs> yeah, I gotta do it. Um, I meant to do it before anyway. Because good. I'm glad you saved it. How, how young people are getting together and making things happen. So have you seen the strippers in Portland? Have you heard about them? You're going to love this. I've seen them years ago, but not recently. No, I mean, what they're doing now. So the strip, the, the strip clubs, um, I, I haven't had the pleasure. It's been a while. Um, so the strip clubs are shut down, obviously. No one's right. congregating there. Um, and the strippers are out of work, just like the restaurant workers are out of work. So yep. one strip club in Portland has... Um, you know, done what is necessary in these trying times and used ingenuity to invent a new product. And um, we know restaurants are also shut down and people are in their homes and they need food to be brought to them. Um, and who who better to bring you a meal from a local Portland restaurant than um, one of your local <laughs> strippers, right? I love it. Um, and so there is, there is now a meal delivery service in Portland where you can hire a stripper to bring your meal to your door. Um, and the company appropriately is called Boober Eats. <laughs> you sure know how to make a guy smile, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can we talk base metals and uh, and silver real quick? Which silver is trading like a base metal right now? It is trading like an industrial metal. I. I, I wrote, you know, and I've tweeted several times. I was never convinced about silver's rally. I am convinced about gold. Um, but, you know, silver touched the 11 something mark and you couldn't find anything from what I hear from dealers. Right. They they, they said you couldn't find anything for less than fifteen dollars an ounce of silver. But I mean, it, it. It, it got pretty extreme here the last few days. Um, base metals, copper fell below two dollars a pound, closed at two sixteen, two seventeen today. But. You know, again, this is um, for every company out there that's producing and selling into this market. This is below the cost of production for most companies. Um, not sustainable. I agree that, you know, it's prime time for gold right now and the gold stocks will be next. I, I agree with that sentiment. Um, but if you have a time horizon and can withstand another 20 or 30 percent drop, in these stocks and you have a time horizon of, of years, not days or weeks or months. Um, and, and, and can stomach the volatility, um, that frankly the Dow is providing you anyway, and any ATF ETF that you may have owned. Um, there's a lot of names that are attractive as all hell. You know, I put on a trade earlier this week that finally filled, um, a, a bid on trilogy metals, right. At I think a buck 45 Canadian and we'll see how that turns out. I may be down on it for the next week or two, or maybe for the next month, but you know, with the kind of financial backing and liquidity they have, you know, that's a project that's not looking to be put into production for another three or four years. Right. When I believe, you know, copper is going to be <laughs> twice or three times as, as, as at what it is right now. And so companies like a trilogy that have, the liquidity that don't have to go back to the market um, that are in a stable jurisdiction like Alaska. I think they have a ton of upside if you're able to be uh, patient. And if you don't mind seeing your portfolio down, you know, 20 or 30%, which look, the bottom line is, you know, most of the stuff that I'm in right now is down at least 40, 50%. Um, last week or two has not done that portfolio any favors though i will say there's some names that are actually up this week 
I know we're coming off a brutal sell-off last week as well, but I actually do see that some of the better quality names are starting to bottom. Let's see if that holds up. Any thoughts on on where we are in the bottoming process for for the better gold names, and then your thoughts on silver and um, your thoughts on silver and the base metals? I know you 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 had the pleasure of interviewing Ben Simmons, and I and I, 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 I re-listened to that that you sent out this week, and um, you know this is a gentleman who him and his his four buddies, if I remember correctly, um. Not practically, literally invented the grading service that every coin um, that that that's worth its weight in silver or gold is graded upon. Right? Can you talk to that market a bit, Nick, and what you think is happening there? Oh man, gosh, you just asked me a lot of questions. I'm going to go in the order that I had it in. I'm going to go in the order that I had it in my head. Um, Doctor Copper, I said if it went below uh, two dollars, was saying something sinister, and so it's definitely. Uh, portending something negative in the economy, which I think is easy to see. We were just talking about millions of uh, jobless claims. And so that's what's being baked into copper in the long term. We know it has to rise for the the reasons that you just said. And so in real time last week, I told uh, told you I was buying Ivanhoe. Um, that's one of the, the highest quality copper development stories in the in the world with multiple assets. Um what else? Um, Rio has halted production at Kennecott. Uh, they had an earthquake there that didn't even make the news. <laughs> 5.7 um, in so... Salt Lake City, and the world didn't really give a fuck. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Rio is really cheap and pays a dividend. I'm talking really big companies now, right? Um, uh, tech has halted construction on Quebrada Blanca and uh, with their exposure to oil and coal has just been absolutely thrown in a ditch and left to die. Um, and, and analysts are still bullish. So tech is a good name there. Um, and then, you, you know, uh, hand and metals, which seemingly, um, everyone is getting a whiff of now on the, um, a complete opposite end as far on the opposite end of the spectrum from like a Rio and a tech as you could possibly get right. Um, uh, on the, ex- on the exploration side. Um, so that's copper, you know, silver, when the, when the ratio touched a hundred, I thought it was good, but we're, we're well above that now. It's, <laughs> it's broken, it's broken down, uh, as an industrial metal, like you said, just like, uh, copper, but you can't, you can't get it. You can't get gold either is something I wanted to point out because, um, you know, I was queuing it up the other day to see what the deal was. And while, while, while gold was trading below 1490, 1485, you couldn't buy a coin for a single coin for less than 1600 bucks. You could buy in bulk for in the high fifteens, um, but you couldn't get a single coin for, for 1600 bucks. And you certainly couldn't get it uh, delivered to you the next day. Everybody is out a week or more. So the physical demand is real. The, the safe haven, uh, nature is uh, real, and then the the bottoming process you asked about is um, is happening now. Uh, stocks are starting to get upgraded. I saw Predium got upgraded this week. I saw uh, Kirkland Lake got upgraded this week. I talked earlier about how the input costs are going to be uh, lower because of the the fall off in oil, um, and, and they've all been just. Um, really whacked. Gosh, go buy Sabanye. We sold it a couple of months ago over uh, 10 bucks, I think. And now it's below five bucks. So come on. Yeah. Yeah. I've looked at K92 multiple times as a trade and as, 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 you know, something to hold on for a while. And the only thing that keeps me away from it, to be frank, is the, 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 you know, the perceived jurisdictional risk there, but you know, it's, it, it seems like that's bottom great bear today, put in a good run here, uh, the second half of the trading day. And that seems to found, seems to have found some good support. So there's definitely some names out there, um, that, that, that appear. And obviously everyone knows, um, how fast things are moving. Um, but again, this isn't, this isn't a complete shock to anybody that's been listening to Nick or, or, or been reading the, my rants and my raves for the past two years about, you know, geopolitical tremors everywhere and, and the volatility that was permanent and the way it was going to play out and that, you know, the treasury market would freeze up and that they would bail it out. All of these things are not things that, 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 caught us off guard it didn't mean that our positions aren't down 40 50 60 percent in many cases um and that part of it right now doesn't feel good but again you know in the words of some of the better speculators in the history of this space i'd rather be a little bit early and be down 50 and 60 percent for a couple of years um than miss out on that tenfold gain that would have been a hundredfold gain had i been in early enough right and so if you're if you're fortunate enough everyone to average down into the better names um 
do 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 what the billionaires, the great contrarians in 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 the space are doing. Look at John Paulson and Midas Gold. You know they they Midas had set up a a thirty five million dollar U S financing um, that two other groups, at least two other groups, ended up walking away from. And he said, no problem, I'll take the whole thing. And he did so at like a twenty six percent premium, give or take a few percentage points. And so John Paulson didn't write a thirty five million dollar check. To, to, to make, you know, seven cents on a penny stock. Um, he's, he's, he's waiting for that gold bull market to really catch everyone's attention and sell it to you, you know, for, for a buck 50, two bucks, two fifty a share, and maybe even backstop and finance the building of it, which by the way, CEO Stephen Quinn has done in the past. He's built mines, um, and, and transitioned them from bear markets to bull markets done, done so successfully and then sold those companies for billions of dollars. So this isn't, this isn't, Again, these cycles don't, this part of the cycle doesn't feel good right now, but these cycles, like you said earlier, talking about the fourth turning, Nick, this isn't something that we haven't seen. This isn't something that um, we don't have a playbook for. It's just, there are some things that are new. The velocity of this is is unlike any other cycle that I've read or studied before, but we should have known that. And and again, to Nick's credit, and, and I'll toot my own horn a little bit on this part, Um we, 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 we've been calling that. So again, uh, doesn't excuse the, the, the price performance and how that feels right now, but yeah, I'd rather be a little bit early than a couple of, a couple of months or years late. That's, that's okay. And that's just my personal risk tolerance. Exactly right. You make your money on the buy, like we said last week. And we say repeatedly that, you know, at least this, the speculative side of these things, right. The exploration, uh, and even the developers like like Midas, this is speculative risk capital where you go into it um, knowing that you could damn well lose it all. Right. We always say don't put money in these in these positions, the speculative positions that you can't afford to live without. And that's why we can say um, we can stomach a 50 or 60 percent down because we go into it knowing that we could come out 100 percent down. Right. Um, and that's why I, I feel bad when I, when I hear people saying, you know, I'm wiped out and, and at some point you, you got to take a little bit of personal responsibility, right. And, and talk about, uh, have a real honest conversation with yourself about how much you can truly afford to lose and what your, um, risk appetite truly is. Yeah. Unpopular take everyone. You should take all the personal responsibility, right? At the end of the day, you get ideas, you hear ideas. It's up to you to determine your risk tolerance, your, your risk profile, um, the assets you own and, and, and why you're doing this. And look, at the end of the day, um, if you act on an idea and you make a lot of money from it, you don't split that with anyone. Right. So let's, let's, you know, hopefully that's another, um, <laughs> it's another aspect of this, 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 this lockdown, this quarantine, um, this COVID-19 thing. I hope at the end of all of this, we all take a real hard look at, at ourselves and, and take accountability for, for how we prepare for things and how we treat others. And, and, and again, just personal responsibility on all fronts. Back to my statement about the gentleman that irked me so much on your Twitter page. It's, uh, if you want to, if you want to provide 5,000 meals for people, well, how does that hurt anybody? Right. That's it. No, and I get, I get the the personal responsibility, but um, you know emotions are running high, and um, whatever, man. Um, <laughs> if you can't, you know, if you can't get behind giving giving kids that don't have food food, then you got bigger issues in your life, man. Yeah, you're a piece of shit and fuck off. But I wish you the best, and I <laughs> and and I and I, and I hope I hope that uh, I hope it's something that you know you're able to sort out for yourself, whatever it is that causes you to be that person. So. Nick, that's all I got. You know, we, we could go on forever. Um, there's, you, you know, you know, it's a mess out there. Um, when oil is sitting here under 20 bucks a barrel down 21% today oh, after being up 15% today. And again, yeah, you probably saw it earlier when it was up at 22, 23 yeah. a barrel, right? <laughs> um, nah, no, nah, it's not at 24 anymore. It closed under 20. Um, when, when we get to that at the end of an hour conversation, that's that's the velocity that we're dealing with and the volatility that we're dealing with. I'm going to end on my end of it with a positive about that velocity. I absolutely believe that the rebound in the equity market, in the major U.S. indices, in gold and the gold stocks, um, the better ones, I, I believe you're going to see the same type of velocity to the upside. It's just 
the new world that we're in with algorithmic trading. I know that the NYSE trading floor is 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 keeping everyone home next week. It'll all be the bots and the algorithms that you're trading against. Be very careful, everybody. But again, the downside hasn't felt great. I was from 2016, other than the couple of month period um, where I first just got going up until last month has been tough. And it's been tough because everything was stuck in the mud. Exploration companies weren't exploring. Producers weren't really making money. That's all changed now. This is a new new market that we have. Everything is happening quicker. So I say that to say, if you're sitting with a 401k and you're down 30, 35%, and you thought you were headed to Dow 40,000, be patient. It's coming. Um, I can't tell you that happens next month or the month after that, but you know, hopefully you have the time horizon to be able to stick around um, for the upside, because I think I I, I I think that's on its way back. Um, anything on your end, Nick? No, that's it. Watch the news. Uh, talk to people you trust. Um, maybe reach out to your neighbors. They're going to be important if if things get um, really bad. Stay optimistic and enjoy spring. It's spring for crying out loud. Agreed. One, one I know I said last point. One last point. This one's important. Um, Commercial real estate. We're going to see mortgage rates drop. You know, the the, the ten year coming down tells me that I, I I think the Fed's got a handle on at least being able to suppress rates. I don't think ultimately they're successful, but I do believe they'll be able to suppress rates, which probably means that mortgage rates will come down quite a bit from where they're at now. I think that spread between the ten and the thirty year and a thirty year mortgage. Um, is, is going to tighten. And I think that'll mean lower rates for mortgage borrowers. If you are speculating in the commercial real estate space, please be careful. That is the space that I believe will be hit the hardest first um, as a result of the economy, you know, basically coming to a standstill. So whether you're here in the US or you're in Mexico, or you're in Canada, wherever you're at, please, please, please do a lot of due diligence before you go thinking, hey, money's at two and a half, three percent. Um, let me take this, this loan that I can lever up and, uh, I'll be okay because the money's so cheap. Just, I, I think there's going to be some price discovery to be had there over the next year or so. And I think it's going to get pretty extreme and there's going to be some great opportunities, but that particular aspect of the real estate market is the one that worries me the most. That's all. You could, you could see malls shut down. Nordstrom could go bye-bye. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, again, you know, this is the price discovery part of the cycle folks. It's, um, it's not going to go naturally because of all the central bank interventions, but um, there will be ways to profit from this. And um, in the meantime, like Nick said, be kind to each other, help your neighbor out. Um, it's a time to come together. And, uh, you know, at the end of this, I think we come out with a better system in place a little bit at a time. Nick, thank you so much for uh, the input. Keep uh, helping where you can. I know, I know, I know that's some, I know that's something that's important to you and your family and, um, if anybody out there has any questions, please reach out to us via, via Twitter or email. Um, all questions are always welcome. I'm Gerardo Del Real along with Mr. Nick Hodge. This was episode 62 of Bizarro World. Be safe, everyone. See ya.